Hey, this is John Pritchard. Thank you for listening to this, the 16th episode of Well Disguised, the podcast about rock snobbery and lowbrow music. This is my first episode of 2021, which means we are through 2020. I'm not going to do the cliche thing and go on and on about 2020, but 2020 is the place I want to start because had 2020 been a more normal year, a more regular year, clearly one of the biggest stories of 2020, at least in the rock world, would have been the Black Crows reunion tour. Now sure, I will concede, probably the biggest story would have been the reunited Motley Crue going on tour, that mega stadium tour with Def Leppard, Poison, Joan Jett and the Black Hearts. I think that would probably have dominated discussion. How do the band sound? Are they playing live? How much does Vince Neil weigh? That sort of thing. But even if that would have been the most discussed rock topic, the Black Crows reunion tour would have been right up there. Of course, we would have had to put an asterisk on the whole idea of this being a reunion tour, or maybe we'll get to put an asterisk on it because I think they're going to come out and still do this in 2021. Tickets are on sale. But it's not really a reunion of the Black Crows, right? It's, it's just the Robinson Brothers. But from a marketing perspective, from a business perspective, I think it's fair to ask how many more tickets they would have sold to include any other of the original members. I feel like that's probably a point Chris Robinson has made many times, either to his brother or to other people. I mean, look, in the Black Crows logo, there's only two Black Crows, right? Maybe Steve Gorman has acquired enough celebrity of his own that he would have been an extra ticket seller to some degree, but that's kind of like Duff McKagan and Guns N' Roses. I feel like they probably would have made... about as much money with just Slash and Axel. It's the same thing with the Black Crows. I did, that doesn't mean I agree with it. doesn't mean I like it, but that's just the way it is. Anyway, the tour that they're going to go on, hopefully in 2021, maybe 2022, I don't know, but will be their debut album, Shake Your Money Maker, played in its entirety. And if you go by the website, it also says in quotations, plus all the hits. That probably means there won't be many tunes from their third album, Amorica. Nonetheless, Amorica interests me maybe the most out of their records, and it is the focus of this episode of Well Disguised. I've said all this before, but when I was contemplating starting Well Disguised, I uh, I wrote down several potential topics that I thought I might want to do episodes on. One of those I actually did for my third episode. That's the one that I did on the Colts Ceremony album. But right after I wrote down Ceremony, I would have written down, I know I wrote down, 
Amorica right after that. To me, if to nobody else in the universe, but to me at least, they are companion ideas. They're companion albums, and at least the way I think. I'm not saying that they are necessarily sonically similar, but in what they represent to me, they are very similar. Now, Ceremony came out in 1991. Amorica came out in 1994. What I've come to realize, though, about what Ceremony is and I didn't even say it at the episode that I did about Ceremony, is that Ceremony is the album, the moment, that the cult became classic rock. I didn't realize it at the time. I'm sure they didn't realize it at the time. Maybe no one realized it at the time. They've had other albums since Ceremony, but they don't really matter to people who aren't diehard cult fans. Everything that's mattered to the world, everything that's mattered to 99% of people who like rock music, never mind music in general, about the cult happened on Electric and Love and Sonic Temple. The cult and, spoiler alert, the Black Crows, don't have a second life massive regeneration like Aerosmith does. They don't have a late period classic album like the Rolling Stones did and tattoo you. There's not a sense that every album that the cult has has its own mythology and its own fan base and its own supporters like Led Zeppelin does or or even Metallica does. The cult was this important popular band until they weren't. And it's basically the same thing for the Black Crows. Amorica is only the third album for the Black Crows but ultimately their debut, Shake Your Money Maker, and the Southern Harmony and Musical Companion are the only two records that 99.9% of the population will ever know. I don't think you could foresee that in 1994. I don't think you would have said, yeah, this is going to be kind of the end of the real cultural relevance portion of the Black Crow's career, but that's sort of what happened. And I know Amorica went gold, but coming off those first two records, that's a pretty big disappointment. At least that is if you care what your favorite musicians put on their tax forms and how much money they make. If you really, really like or or love the Black Crows, well, we'll get into that in a second. But unless you're one of those people, Amorica and the other albums that have followed, they don't really matter. And that may sound harsher than I intend. How many albums really matter at all, period, I guess. But You know, Fleetwood Mac has sold billions of records, but there's only a few that really made an imprint into the consciousness of our culture. So, these two albums, Ceremony and Amorica, they interest me for these reasons. And they seem similar to me, if to no one else. However, there's at least one major distinction, and I'm really almost hesitant to mention it, but i got to mention it because it's kind of part of my thoughts for this episode. I've always liked Ceremony a lot. And I never really liked Amorica. And maybe that makes the whole idea of this podcast a little strange. Because, like I said, when I came up with the idea for this whole show, I knew I wanted to talk about this album that I hadn't listened to in probably 15 years. Maybe 20 years. And so in my mind, this creates certain problems. One, as discussed in the episode in the cult, one of the things I wanted to do when I got into that episode and started planning it 
was to see if I could come up with a reason that that album and the band The Cult didn't go supernova in popularity. Why was there seemingly this building progression, getting ready to go to the really next ultra-mega level, and it just didn't happen for The Cult? There's a similar, I guess, trend line for Amorica. The album is similarly positioned, or at least it was back in 1994, so was the band. But I feel like I know why it didn't go supernova, why it didn't explode for them. I've just kind of told you, I didn't like it that much. And to the extent that my ears are populous, that maybe that explains everything that you need to know. Why am I doing this stupid podcast? I've just kind of said, hey, here's a question. Why didn't the Black Crows keep going and keep getting bigger and bigger? Well, because they made an album that wasn't good. That seems to be what I've said. I'll come back to that. The second issue with this uh, is that (laughs) from a podcasting perspective, I realize this position may turn off my target audience, Um, which to the extent that it's not my friends and family and some of the others of you kind people who listen to my show are probably going to be Black Crows fans who stumble across it in a doing a search, whether it's in Spotify or in Apple or whatever. Let me throw a few bones, though, to the Black Crows people. So I've listened to several of the Colts albums post-ceremony. Nothing really stands out to me. I don't really like any of it all that much. I mean, there's some stuff that's okay, I guess, but nothing that really grabs me. That's not actually true of the way I feel about the Crows. For example, I like the album Lions a lot. Uh, I think the 2009 record, Before the Frost, Until the Freeze, it's got a song on it called I Ain't Hiding. I jam that all the time. I absolutely adore that song. It's probably one of, if not my single favorite Black Crow song. So it's not like I don't feel like they did anything after those first two records that everybody knows about. I actually like the Crow's output probably more than I like the Colts, certainly post these two albums that I'm talking about. Also, as I've done this podcast, as I've Follow different people on Twitter, including a uh, an account that is a dedicated Black Crows podcast account called State of America, um, and other people who happen to be Black Crows fans that I've seen on Twitter and other places online. I've come to realize something that, again, I want to highlight and throw a bone to the Crows fans, but also, again, this may be a certain problem for my standing as a podcaster to the extent that that exists or matters. Um, But I come to realize that maybe Amorica is actually the favorite album of a lot of diehard Black Crows fans. A lot of people who really love the Black Crows think Amorica is where they distilled what the band was closest down to its essence. Now look, obviously, I don't really agree with that. But I certainly recognize even if it is not something that really had ever occurred to me in the past however many years, that that's a strong possibility. Because those of us who are hardcore fans of things, and if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance that you are a hardcore fan, maybe not of the Black Crows, maybe not even of rock and roll, but probably. But you're a hardcore fan of something. And if you think about whatever that is, I would wager that whatever it is about that thing that is most appealing to you, 
your favorite thing, whether it's a song or an album, or if you're a fan of a certain director who's made a bunch of movies or whatever, whatever it is for you that's the pinnacle, the purest part of whatever you're a fan of, I doubt it's the thing that's appealing to most people. I doubt it's the most popular thing that person or group or whatever has ever done. For example, if Deep Purple, I love Deep Purple. If Deep Purple, though, is in your, let's say, Deep Purple ranks somewhere between your 18th favorite band and your 51st favorite band. And someone says, what's your favorite Deep Purple song? I think it's highly likely and 100% defensible. Your answer would be Smoke on the Water. That's the big one, right? It's the big hit. It's the great riff. There's jokes about it. There's videos on YouTube about it. It's going to be Smoke on the Water. But if Deep Purple ranks a little more highly for you, I'm pretty certain you probably think, eh, I'm kind of tired of Smoke on the Water. I've heard that a lot. And yeah, it's a good song, and I'm always happy to hear it in the, you know, either in the encore slot live or the last song in the, the main part of the set. But let me tell you about this song that's on Fireball. Or let me tell you about this song that's on Stormbringer or whatever. Similarly, I love Black Sabbath. If you ask most people, hey, what's your favorite Black Sabbath album? I think a lot of people are probably going to say Paranoid. You're probably going to have people who say, maybe not quite as many, but almost as many who say Masters of Reality. Great. Perfect choices. 100% defensible. I don't really have a problem with that. But me, I'm going to pick Volume 4. It's the album that's got Supernaut. It's the album that's got Snowblind. It's got Changes. It's got Tomorrow's Dream. It's got Wheels of Confusion. That's my pick for the best Sabbath album. I love that album. I adore that album. That said, was it my first favorite Black Sabbath album? It probably wasn't. Master Reality was probably my first favorite. As I got deeper into Sabbath and listened to them more, it, that's when I sort of picked up on how much I like Volume 4. And I think that's my favorite. I think that's 100% legitimate. But subconsciously, I wonder if I'm not picking Volume 4 as my favorite Sabbath record because it's not one of the big ones. So while I acknowledge that a lot of Black Crows fans really love Amorica, I like the Black Crows a lot. I've seen them live. I, I, I enjoy them tremendously. But it's hard for me to think that that album's better than, for me, the Southern Harmony and Musical Companion or Shake Your Moneymaker or the album they did with Jimmy Page Live. But all that said, if you're a diehard Black Crows fan, I'm not going to challenge you thinking that Amorica or maybe some other record is better than those two big classic ones that they did first for the same reasons that my favorite Deep Purple song is Might Just Take Your Life and my favorite Sabbath album is Volume 4. So with all that out of the way, something funny then happened on the way to the glorious recording studio here at Well Disguised Headquarters. If you've ever listened to an album, didn't like it, put it down, came back, listened to it, didn't like it, put it down, did that again and again, two, three, four times, you probably know where this is going. So Amorica was released in 1994. It was immediately noteworthy for its cover. 
Amorica's cover, well, if you see the original Amorica cover at least, it is the same image that apparently appeared on the 1976, the July 1976, the bicentennial uh, issue of Hustler magazine. It depicts a woman wearing an American flag bikini that is very small. Some of her pubic hair is protruding from the top of the bikini. For many of the big box retailers of the time, this was a problematic cover. And though the Black Crows fought a fight for a while, the album was re-released shortly thereafter with the American bikini there, but everything else airbrushed away, so it's just a black background. The other thing about Amorica that is perhaps significant for several reasons that are relevant to this podcast is that it wasn't really meant to be the third Black Crows record. The Black Crows were actually working on another album called Tall, uh, and that album is something you can track down on YouTube. It's a, it's a little harder to track down on some of the other major streaming services. If you listen to the Tall sessions, you'll hear a lot of things that do survive and actually end up on Amorica, and also some songs that are put away and then come back in a different uh, in a different form later on. For example, one of the songs that's on the Tall Sessions is Evil Eye, which is another of my favorite Black Crow songs. It, of course, shows up later on the album Three Snakes and One Charm. But anyway, in listening to the sessions, the Tall Sessions as they're called, there is a little bit of a removal of some of the heavy Rich Robinson guitar sound. It's more of a Chris Robinson record, or would have been a Chris Robinson record. Amorica's a little more loud. It's a little more, a little more in your face. It's it's a guitar record, or more of a guitar record than uh, maybe what would come after. Certainly, what Chris Robinson would do in his solo career with uh, Chris Robinson's Brotherhood and that sort of thing. So anyway, Amorica started off at least in Chris Robinson's mind as a conscious attempt to back away a little bit from the sound the Crows had established on those classic legendary first two albums. And then it comes back and is a little more similar to those than at least he intended. And by God, if I didn't start working on this stupid podcast and listening to that record a little more closely, a little more critically, and wouldn't you know, I started to like it. God almighty. (laughs) So what am I going to do a podcast about? How am I going to put on a show about a record that I always disliked and all of a sudden now I'm humming it when I'm making dinner? I mean, how good is P25? I don't even know what the name of the song is. I assume it's Page 25, but it's written as P25. That song rocks. That song slays so much. The second song on the record is the one that... It's the one tune that always did kind of pull me in. It was the one that always got my attention. It's called A Conspiracy. It still holds up. It's a really great song, but it's flanked by so many other great ones too. The very first song on the record, Gone. I don't get why I didn't like that before. Gone's a killer rock song. And then after Gone and Conspiracy comes High Head Blues. And High Head Blues almost does sound like the perfect Black Crow song. It, it, does seem to get to what that band is really about. It may really be the essence of the Black Crows. The song Nonfiction is really pretty. It's a really beautiful song. 
I feel better about myself and my life just listening to it. And I'm not even sure looking at the lyrics that that's what it's supposed to do. It's Exhibit 1754, Why Lyrics Don't Really Matter. And a lot of times, it's the, the feeling that the music gives you. That's such a pretty song. It goes on from there. I haven't even talked about Cursed Diamond or Cursed Diamond. I don't even know, but it's... Again, I'm just getting kind of acquainted with this record, but it's arguably the best song on the on the album. And and without going through every song on the album, I've gotten to the point that I've talked about on other episodes of this podcast. Once you get to so many good songs on an album, it's hard to say it's not good anymore. And thus the dilemma of this episode. I've been planning for months, maybe years when you think about it, to say on this episode of Well Disguised the reason why Amorica, even though it went gold, but really was the end of the Black Crows as a major force, at least commercially, at least in the in pop culture, was because the record wasn't good. And that's not true. I was wrong about that. But I don't think I'm wrong about what Amorica was for the Crows. Just like with the cult, Amorica created the classic rock era of Black Crows, where the songs that you hear, the songs that you know, the songs that everybody cares about, are all off Shake Your Money Maker and the Southern Harmony Musical Companion. When the Black Crows go on tour this year or next year or whenever it is, they're going to be playing every song from Shake Your Money Maker. I guarantee you there will not be a future Black Crows tour that says we're playing all the songs off Amorica. Or we're playing all the songs off Three Snakes and One Charm. And if I'm wrong about that and they do want to take out a band to tour all the songs off War Paint in chronological order or running order or what have you, well, they won't even be doing that in theaters. They'll be doing it in clubs somewhere. Certainly not in outdoor amphitheaters. So what did happen? Maybe it was the controversy of the album cover. Now, if you look up the Black Crows of Morica, you're going to see the original stolen or maybe borrowed or licensed, I don't know, but the image from the cover of Hustler magazine on the uh, on the cover if you look it up in Spotify or whatever. But maybe the hit to their momentum that that controversy caused and fighting with the record companies and the, the big box stores took some of the steam out. Maybe they made some enemies and and that hurt the launch of the record. Maybe. It is a little more complicated and denser album. And maybe that's why the younger, less sophisticated host of Well Disguised didn't like it as much. It is a little tougher. And just because a song has a title doesn't necessarily mean that that title is going to show up in a chorus that's repeated over and over. It's still a rock record. Maybe it's more of a rock record than Chris Robinson wanted them to make. But what's a little missing is a little of the pop sensibilities that were in the first two records. Hard to handle, maybe a cover, but it's got a real poppy hook coming from way back in rock and roll and blues roots. She talks to angels. Uh, Remedy, those songs... 
They're great rock songs. I'm not suggesting they're pop at all, but they are a little more perhaps accessible to the average listener. And that's probably the best reason why this record didn't go the way those first two had. Because Amorica doesn't have as much of that. I'm sorry, but you're just going to have to work harder on Amorica than, say, a great songs like Sting Me or Thorn in My Pride require of you. And maybe I'm just overthinking it. 1994 was different. Grunge was still in its ascendancy. It was the dominant musical sound of the age. And rock bands weren't cool anymore. And no, obviously the Black Crows never had stupid teased out hair with lots of Aquanet or what have you. But they were still old. Or at least old sounding. I mean, let's face it. Maybe 1994 was just not the best time to be a band that seemed to simultaneously want to be the successors of both the Rolling Stones and the Allman Brothers. I'm sure it was a come down for a band whose last album had gone multi-platinum and had four number one songs on the mainstream rock charts. Perhaps in a couple months, I'll do another episode where I say, I don't know what I was thinking, guys. That album's awful. But I don't think so. Whether it's an album you've never listened to before, never encountered before, or if, like me, it's just something you've kind of put away and warehoused in your brain, I encourage you to pull it out and give it another spin. For me, it's just another reminder that, like a baby moving on from eating Cheerios, sometimes you have to give those more complicated things in life an extra two or three or four tries. Robinson Brothers, you were right. I will smoke on that. I was not cut across the line. I was not cut, though many tried. I'll live among you, well disguised. All right, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. This episode didn't go exactly the way I intended it to, but what am I going to do? Once I start liking the record, i got to say that, and that changed my whole focus a little bit. Um... I hope you enjoyed it, though. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you subscribing. I appreciate you going on iTunes and leaving a rating and even better, a review. I've had to recut that several times. It's hard to say that. Leave a rating and a review. There you go. Anyway, I appreciate you so much for listening. I hope you're having a wonderful 2021. Podcasting's hard, man. I I really have an admiration and appreciation for people who are able to bring good quality content consistently. I hope I'm able to do that. I hope I am doing that. I'm going to keep working at it. Thank you all. See you soon.